Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening. Welcome to another uh, higher education podcast. Um, Get a bit confusing now because it's cycle vertical podcast, and it's this is a higher head, a higher education bit. Um, so I'm Andy Kapatrick. I'm your host. Uh, uh, this is the sort of weekly short podcast where I'm going <laughs> to talk less shy and talk um, a few like climbing uh, related things. Um, it's Sunday Sunday night. I'm sat here. With my tea, I'm going to do like a Scott Adams little, you know, drink my tea. Um, uh, yeah, Sunday night in the uh, in the Arab world. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know this. I was surprised when I got here. But in the Arab world, uh, you have uh, Friday and Saturday off, and you and you go to work on a Sunday. Um, someone someone said in in Israel you have Friday off and Sunday off or something, but. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of weird. So you have to get kind of used to Thursday being your day off, and uh, yeah. So it's no Friday being your day off. So that's why you, that's why if you ever if there was ever any like trouble, um, that's why people always have a lot of trouble on a Friday, uh, like you know, because that's everyone's got the day off. It's not necessarily necessarily everyone goes to Friday prayers and they all get riled up by some somebody and start burning everything down. It's mainly that it's. Um, uh, most most people most people have most people work here, so everyone seems to have a job. Um, so um, if you've got a job, you haven't got time to go and have a have riots and things. To you know, to, you know, you have to have some time time in lieu or something. So anyway, so um, so I've got a few questions this evening. Uh, uh, I've had quite a few questions actually. I keep losing them all. I need to put them all in a folder somewhere. So I did have a really good. I had a very good question about lanyards. I know. I know. I told you in my last podcast I was going to talk about lanyards, but I, I think I'm just going to I'm just going to keep it, you know, because it's it's a bit of a bit of a hot topic, you know. I know people are like just downloading this because they're like, oh God, I got to listen to that thing about lanyards. Uh, I know most people think I'm talking about the kind of lanyards that like snowboarders have, you know, where they just like anyway. But no, it's actually climbing lanyards, so it'll disappoint some people. But I think I'm just going to hang on to it for a while because I can't find the question, but. Um, uh, an interesting question this week was someone asked me about uh, what curry, my, my curry recipe, uh, which is kind of interesting because I, uh, yeah, curry is a, curry is a, I think, is it not, ch- like in Britain, for any foreign foreign listeners in the UK, um, not only is the number one boy's name Mohammed, but also the number one, um, the number one uh, food is chicken tikka masala, which is actually not um asian at all it's basically what asian people made for ignorant english people and i think it was just tomato sauce and mayonnaise uh, mixed together and then put on some chicken and then uh british people british people loved it um 
Someone told me that margarine's going to get ba- is getting banned in America, which is good, good, good to know. It's horrible stuff. So um, all those kind of tra- are they trans fats anyway? All the all those kind of things. But uh, main uh, some people main um, salad cream is kind of like poor persons a poor persons uh, mayonnaise. I don't think I had mayonnaise until I was probably in my twenties, and I didn't have garlic until I was in my twenties either. And uh, and all sorts of exotic stuff like that. I, do, I still have a lot of trouble with fruit, actually, fruit and vegetables. I don't know what a lot of fruit and vegetables uh, look like. Um, like someone, my, my daughter was doing a, a thing at school and they said, oh, you have to bring in uh, a melon or something. I went to Tesco's. I didn't know what a melon looked like. Isn't that terrible? Anyway, so I don't, I don't like melon anywhere. I don't know what it tastes like, but I don't, I don't think I like it. Uh, I do like beetroot, though. So, um, but that's not a vegetable. Oh, is it? Anyway, anyway, it's, it's red, isn't it? So it's, it doesn't matter what it is. So, uh, yeah, so the curry recipe. Uh, I'm not going to tell you my curry recipe. I'm actually do a podcast where I actually cook a curry. You'd be like, cooking with Andy. That's a, you know, kind of cooking Wednesday. Anyway, um, but uh, I, was re- I, I was reading t- two things on a nautical theme. I was reading Chris Bonington's book, about going sailing to Greenland and climbing, yeah, I think it was in the Lemon Mountains. If you get hold of it, like it's not like a, it's not like a, it's not like the best book in the world, uh, but it, it's got no, it's got no shagging in it or anything. It's just basically Chris Bonington. I think it's Chair Blythe and some people. They, they sail to Greenland. It's like a book where nothing, nothing really happens, but it's kind of good. You know, it's like a nice. It's just like a nice like adventure book, and stuff from Scotland, and they climb there and and stuff. So it's kind of a nice book to read. But I remember in the reading the book, uh, he was saying about how he made his famous curry or something on board, and I was like, oh god, I bet Chris Bonington can make a really good curry. And uh, like all those old guys, you know, you just can tell they can make like a really amazing curry. And um, so. So yeah, so so I think cur- like curry is a I, I really I think curry is like a really good like a really good food I reckon because you can just like it's basically like what poor people eat, um, it, which means that if you're poor you can eat, you can eat it as well. So basically with curry you can just get a few you just need a few ingredients like proper ingredients if you want to make a proper curry you need like proper curry ingredients no like curry powder and all that kind of stuff you get some proper ingredients and. Uh, and they don't cost that much money, and they last like for ages. And you can just just bang in a lot of vegetables and uh, tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. And you can and you can get like a huge bag of rice. I think when we went around Africa, um, we were in like Africa for like four or five months or something. We basically like lived on like ra- like rice and lentils and stuff. And it's uh, so it's really yeah, it took me uh, it took me a long time to learn how to make a, a curry. And to do like dal and all this kind of stuff, and uh, but I think they're really very good. So, so the so one one good thing about I saw this guy I can't remember his name now. He's a really famous old geezer, a Swedish guy who was dyslexic and he got thrown out of the army. And but now he, and then he built a boat in his in his in his bedroom, and then he sailed around the world in it. So he never didn't have a very big bedroom, and they had to like the wall off the side of his house to get his boat out. So the boat is. Um, Anyway, but now with this guy's like in his eighties and he's sailing around the world again in this tiny little boat, and the only food he has is um, he has muesli. Basically, he basically makes his own muesli, and that's all he eats every day is muesli. And he has one tin of sardines. And he said that for like three hundred sixty-five days, he just got muesli and sardines. 
And he said that basically in the West we're so, we're so bored in our lives that we try and fill it full of uh, all this variety of food where like you know like mo- most places in the world I mean, people tend to eat the same food every day like in Africa people eat um, ugali and in South America people eat um, uh, it's horrible stuff they eat anyway anyway it's horrible anyway um, so you know people are basically eating the same food every single day of their lives apart from when they have a celebration or a feast or something where in the west like we just eat we just have a feast every single day and we're obsessed about food and everything surround surrounds you know most people's lives are all about you know if someone says you want to go to Paris the first thing they'll think about is like what food is they or something maybe that's just me so so anyway so my in in my uh I have this thing maybe I'll talk about it some of the time like a, a way of the way I try and think about my life is have this uh um, that you're like a line of code. Like I don't like. I re- I'm really wary of not codifying everything. Like when someone says, "Oh, I'm like, I'm a hundred percent better," or when someone says they've got like um, uh, clinical depression. I don't like all these kind of codifying like human things. But uh, but I had this idea of like thinking of you, uh, thinking of yourself as code, like just your um, and uh, and how you could start removing lines of code inside yourself in uh, in your programming. So one 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 of those lines of you know food is a is a is a big bunch of code in people's people how they feel about food and what food represents. So I had this idea of just like trying to just just kind of live on one 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 kind of food. So uh, so basically I kind of live on coffee and uh, curry basically. But I don't smell of curry, so that's so that that's kind of good really. So um, I probably do smell of curry actually. So anyway, I don't care. So um, I actually live in an area where, where, where goodness, that sounds like really racist then. Um, I actually live in an area where most people do smell of curry, so I, I probably can't tell the difference. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> casual racism, that's what I like. That's my favourite kind of racism, actually. Someone said the other day that I, uh, I said, I said a, as a joke I was going to write a Avenue magazine that's going to be like edgy, sort of a dark web climbing magazine. I'll, for the reason I'll tell you, I'll tell you the time why I was gonna gonna do this magazine, and um, and I said I was gonna call it blackface. Now I th- I thought blackface we could all start taking the piss out of blackface now because it's like such a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous thing to begin with, and also now it's just become like ridiculous. It'll be more ridiculous after Justin Trudeau and all that kind of stuff anyway. But someone someone accused me of uh, casual racism by using the word blackface. So um, anyway. So <laughs> I'm getting off the anyway back to the point. It's supposed to be quite short, and it's just about climbing. So yeah, so the curry recipe. So I so I've got this. I've got a few curry recipes. I so basically, I, I make enough food. I make enough curry for two people for about a week or about ten days, which is like quite a lot of curry. And I also like cook all the rice and everything, and then I just like put it into the freezer, so you don't have to think about it. Is that old? You know, like. Um, your Facebook man, um, you know, he always wears a hoodie and uh, Steve Jobs always had the same clothes and Albert Einstein and, and that block out of uh, X Factor. So it's that kind of idea. You don't have to think about what food you're going to eat. You just, you just, it's just there. So, uh, but I, I shall put the, I'll put, um, I'll put a good recipe in the, uh, in the, in the show notes. You know, I don't really have, don't really have show notes, but I'll stick this curry, uh, a link to this really good website, uh, that's got loads of really good curry recipes, and this is this is quite a good one. 
And when I make it, I just like bagging, like shoving loads of uh, extra vegetables to try and fill it out. Uh, there is chicken in there. Actually, that actually, that actually, so much. Someone asked me if I'd seen um, seen that thing, that program, Game Changer, uh, on Netflix, which is all about being a a, a vegan. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of this um, uh, Starting Strength podcast, which is by uh, Mark Ripperter, who's this like old, like grumpy, like American guy, but he's actually really. If you're into, if you want to know about like if you want to get some idea about strength training, which I think is like one of the most important things for all climbers should do, is actually do some proper strength training uh, like regularly, like like a, a period of every year, because it's like probably the best thing to stop you getting like really decrepit. Um, like I'm sort of 48 and I'm I'm not decrepit at all, apart from I've got like a dodgy dodgy Achilles tendon from playing football like for the first time in about 40 years. So that's only that's only my injury, but um, yeah, Mark Ripperto has got a very good book. Mark Ripperto, maybe I'll put that in the thing as well. Uh, he's got a very good book. Um, you do like you know for, for for strength training. You've just got like five five exercises, and you do them like you're supposed to do them three times a day, three times a week, but you can like vary around it. Anyway, so um, but someone asked me if I'd seen this uh, uh, this this. Uh, game-changing podcast bit game-changing film on netflix uh and mark ripper talk calls uh vegans vegans um i know there's probably gonna be some vegans out there who are gonna get really i'm gonna like lose like probably 50 percent of the people listening to this because like vegans like he calls them vegans because he, it annoys vegans but he says like well there's no such word as vegan but there is a word for veg vegans so, so he calls them vegans to annoy people and uh and I do, I do, I always find it find it weird when you see people, like you know when you do a park run. You know, I've never done a park run. A park runs are really good, and uh, you do park run, and there's always someone with a t-shirt saying like "vegan runner." And uh, I always thought it's be fun to have like a like premature prematurely ejaculating runner or something, you know, something like that. Rectum prolapse runner or something, or not vegan runner. I was I was thinking that would be quite a good t-shirt to do. Uh, my son's my, my son's been. You know, my son, you know, is like, he's trying to start a business with my son, which is like making stupid T-shirts, just so I can like instill in him the futility of trying to make a living. Um, so I can, you can have these big dreams and they can all be destroyed. And then that's a good like foundation of like the rest of your life. So we couldn't like with ideas. And one of mine was just like, fuck Everest on it, which I thought was kind of cool, kind of witty. Anyway. Oh yeah, so the question the, someone asked me like what I thought of this uh, this program out um, uh, plant based diet, and I would just I uh, everything in moderation, but moderation is my is my uh, but um, I'm always I'm always kind of wary of uh, of like trendy stuff or like cults and things. I'm always a bit I'm always kind of kind of suspicious suspicious really. Um, like I think I said in a podcast, like I, I realized I was quite bigoted because I was I really didn't like religious people, and um, and you know, like if you come from the UK, like you're basically very narrow-minded, you you know, and because uh, you you think you're very you think you're open-minded because you hate all religions and you're an atheist, but actually you're actually quite narrow-minded because when the more religious people you meet, um, you more you realize that when you when you're in the minority and everyone else is religious. Uh, you start wondering if they know something you don't know, which is not really true either. But 
But anyway, so I'm always a bit, always aware of cult. I'm always kind of wary of cults. But um, so and all of all of all the vegans I've ever met, they basically just live on chips. They just eat chips the whole time. So and, and uh, or they, I drink too much fruit juice. Like I don't like, I don't believe in fruit. I don't think it's. I don't think I, don't, I come from Hull. Um, you know, I think it's something to do with the docks. The docks. We don't. I, my, I think my great granddad was a dock a docker. Uh, that's not a pair of boots, um, and uh, maybe that's something to do with like if you if you're a, if you're in, your great great granddad was a docker, then you probably put put off fruit, or lifting fruit off ships and things. So, uh, so yeah, so, so maybe that's why I've never won't be a vegan. I was a vegetarian for a while, but that was because uh, you know you're going out with someone who's a vegetarian, you have to pretend, don't you? In that you know, uh, in these days you have to pretend to be vegetarian, you have to pretend not to be casually racist, and it's the same. It's just the same sort of thing. So yeah, that was my response basically to um, uh, everything in moderation, even even a bit of chicken. So so uh, so covered curry. We covered that. Um, so we have a question here. Um, I'll read it out. So then uh, the person who's listening to it can uh, can um, can say, oh, "That's me." My God. Um, why don't you get fucked? Oh, no, that's a, that's a no. Um, hi, mate. Um, uh, 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 I was wondering when you. Uh, I was wondering when you do your higher education podcast, whether you could shut the fuck up. No, uh, whether you could shed some light on rope and sling condition. Now, this is my kind of question. At the moment, me and my mate change our ropes every year, and we go half each on them. Oh, that's nice. We always say, in in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> hundred pounds each for. A year for the amount of climbing, mostly falling, we do is worth it not to die. But how often do you really need to change a rope? We always get they always get so much abuse. We're both around eighty kilos, uh, bloody lightweights. Uh, uh, we tread on them in the dirt and get them wet, um, get them stuck on the rock and put them through all kinds of abuse. Would you change a rope after a certain amount of falls? Also, when it comes to slings. They worry me most when they get dirty and wet. I normally change them, and I have a fear of them rotting and becoming weak. Is it irrational, or am I, am I just being a tart? That last bit, I, I do apologise for the use of the word tart, because that's probably if offending somebody, probably a woman. And <laughs> oh, God. So um, a man can be a tart anywhere, um, can he? No, that's probably offensive as well, to call a man a tart. Anyway, um, irrationally, I, I won't read his name out. Baz um, from Bristol. Um, yeah, rope, ropes are ropes are weird. Uh, like I'm lucky that I've I, I seem to have sort of managed to wangle um, quite a lot of ropes. And but I have had like I've had ropes and I've given to a friend of mine, Paul Tattersall, who lives up in Gairlock up in Torridon. And when I give him to, when I give him my ropes. They were pretty knackered. Otherwise, I wouldn't give it, you know, give him a rope for free. So I'd probably had it, had it for a year, and then um, and then I would go up to Scotland, you know, like five years later, and he'd still be climbing on on the same ropes I'd given him, and he would be like, if, you know, out of all the people I I know of climb with, he probably falls off the most, and, and like would really 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 abuse them. So what? So f- for me personally, uh, I tend to. I tend to always uh, wear out my ropes. The rope, I probably ropes probably last me about about a year, a year and a half, maybe two years. 
uh, and they, they generally always get like sheath sheath damage from like uh, rocks rocks hitting them um, uh, crampons just basically like some 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 ropes like when when I've climbed on on El Capitan if you're doing like a big wall uh, a rope would probably last you like uh, like a lead rope not a static rope a lead rope will probably last you like four four walls three or four walls and then they'll start getting kind of a bit like starting to get like ratty and they've got like you know the sheaths damage on them and stuff but the sheath is only is like 20 percent of the strength anyway so but the, but once, once the sheath gets so damaged that like if it, if it can if it can break uh, when you're abseiling on it, uh, which is like un, not very it's unnerving when the sheath breaks because you kind of slide down the uh, the core of the rope on the sheath for a little bit till it all bunches up. But 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 once 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 it you know like once it starts looking like the sheath is like is going to start go start going to start going, then uh, that's generally when I always like replace my ropes. But I expect the ropes. Are probably like still in really really good condition like I don't really the last ropes I had were like I think they were like seven and a half seven you know they were like sub eight millimeter ropes I mean I had two of them and I probably climbed on them uh, probably on average like every other day for uh you know like a, a year and a half or something like went all went all over the place uh with them and they got like you know wet and dry and use them in the winter and the you know in the you know, sandstone, granite, all this kind of stuff, and they were st- still in like good condition. So I guess that old that old thing about not standing on your ropes is still uh, is still good advice. Like if you have a some kind of rope bag, uh, rope mat that you can, or a piece of tarpaulin that you can put the rope on when you're climbing. Like it's it's really basic stuff, but like uh, you go climbing, a lot of people don't actually do it. They just put the the rope on the ground. Um, like stopping the dirt getting into your rope is a is a really good idea. Uh, if you're doing like a lot of sort of sport climbing, uh, like and top roping and stuff, like in the UK we don't have that. We don't have like tons and tons of that kind of stuff. So, but if if you're doing that, then definitely stay away from like skinny, really skinny ropes because they're really for someone who's like Chris Sharma or some you know some like so some you know really good climber who wants like a sub nine millimeter rope for his do for his super hard route but for a normal climber you know you want like a ten and a half or even like an 11 mil rope you want some you get really strong if you have to sport climb on a big thick 11 mil, millimeter rope but you want you know you want a rope that's like a really really tough uh like a working you know like a working rope i think the old the old classics were things like like edlin like a beal edlinger or a um like a ga- like a mammoth galaxy 10 millimeter galaxy Again, was like a classic, uh, like that used to be like the skinny, skinny sport climbing rope, but now it's just like a big granddad, big granddad sort of rope, uh, you know. So, but even then, like a really thick, a really big chunky rope, it'll just get you can damage it as quickly as a really skinny rope if you, you know, set up a belay badly. And it's like I think we did, I think we did a route on in Squamish, um, is Angel Crest or Angel Angel's Crest, one of these like really, it's like one of the best. Probably one of the best routes I've ever done in my life. Probably it's like a ten, ten C or something. And there was a, there was like one bit was one bit on it where for some reason I kept when I was seconding, I just couldn't quite I couldn't quite get it and I felt kept it wasn't like the crux pitch. But for some reason it just kept like falling off this one little bit. And because it was right, it was literally off the B layer. 
And every time I fell, because I was falling near the B layer, I was like, it, there was so much rope stretched. There was quite a lot of rope stretched out. And the rope was just running over like a piece of rock just near, close to me. And it really, like, it didn't destroy the rope, but the rope, you know, got some significant, like, wear wear and tear on it, just, like, literally, and they were, like, almost, like, brand new. So that's, you know, being an idiot, basically, not being able to do it. So, so yes, yeah, so it's you but actually falling on the ropes, um, like, I'm not... I'm, like, if you're going to be doing, like, sh loads and loads and loads and loads of falling, if you're going to be a real sort of sport climber, then then not only get, like, a big thick rope, but also get, like, a longer rope. Because all the, the... The main the main thing is probably going to be... Like, a rope's not going to snap when you're falling on it, basically. Uh, like, it's going to fall... It's going to snap because it's got some sort of contamination, like, battery acid on it or something. Or if it's, like, white, you know, like, it's been, like, in a shop window with, like, halogen bulbs... You know, heating it up or something, but but just just climbing uh, like a you know a solid rope is not going to snap uh, if you if you're falling on it. So, but it is going to wear out. Like if you you know with a with a sport rope, you're always falling with the bolt like very very close to you. So you're always wearing that part of the rope all the time. So having a buying a longer rope, like an 80 meter rope or a 70 meter rope, allows you to like cut off cut off the rope as it as it, as it's getting more and more worn out and it's it's a pain carrying like a longer rope but it's is really handy having a having a longer rope like i'm not like again i'm not like mr sport climbing man but i think for most for most people who are trad climbing they're not taking like huge falls all the time and in fact like a, a really really big fall is probably better for the rope than than all those like short falls, especially like short falls like close to the B legs. That's where you, you know, if you if you take like a, you know, if you take like a uh, 120 meter fall, you know, you're doing a 60 meter pitch with no gear, and you're just at the just at the B layer and you fall off and you take like a 120 meter fall. Uh, if your brain doesn't explode, then probably the 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 damage to the rope is probably less than being like. You know, one meter from the belay and taking a taking like a four, factor two like onto a piece of gear onto the belay because you're putting all that sort of um, stretch into the into a very small piece of rope really. So I'm not recommending that you take like uh, 120 meter falls. That's I do know someone. Yeah, I do know people have taken falls like that. But um, so yeah, so slings like slings are slings are fairly cheap. Like all the all the I definitely, I would say, if it's if the sling's made out of nylon, and it looks anything, you know, if it if it looks any if it if it looks like a vintage sling, and it's got vintage kind of colours, and I just get rid of it. And you do see people with like really really old slings, old wild country slings that they've probably not been making for at least twenty years now. And it's like in the, in the past you had these like troll super tube tape. And Troll Super Tube, I think it was like 28 millimetres. And it was basically like the strop you'd get, like for a helicopter would lift a tank up with or something. So those kind of slings, you know, there's the classic thing is like, oh, we had this old sling, we tested it, it was as strong as a new sling. And that's kind of, that, that, that's, that, that, you know, that's true. But with the, as you're getting closer and closer to now, the slings were actually getting thinner and thinner. So you're going, so the nylon slings, you know, went down to, you know, like 16 millimeter slings and things like nylon slings, and uh, the Dyneema ones have gone, you know, gone down from like 16 mil, and now you've got like eight millimeter slings and things. So the so the slings themselves are 
like with all this stuff, like basically pe- before people could really test everything, they were always test. They were always like building them to a um, building them to a standard. Like they could like they could they could des- yeah they didn't know what the standard was, so they made them like massively strong, like ten times stronger than they had to be. When now they they know what the standard is, so now they can actually design them to the standard. So like an eight millimeter sling, like an eight millimeter eight millimeter Dyneema sling. Like in a test rig clipped to two steel carabiners, uh, is probably you know still like super super strong, but if that sling's like super super worn and it's actually around a sharp piece of granite like a you know like a, a thread or your or a spike or something and you fall on it, then you know like the who knows what's going to happen. So I would probably just like personally I tend to never throw away slings because. Well, I tend to find a lot. Of, I tend to find a lot of slings, and I just kind of, I just generally, generally inspect the sling, and I look at the like all, all slings should have some color in them, so you can tell how old they are. Because dynamo, you know, because dynamo is white, it's quite hard to tell. But you want to check the sling, see how old it is by seeing if the color is still nice and bright. See if it has any melt melt marks on it. See how, you know, if 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 it looks fine, then then generally personally, I I, I often end up using them mainly because I end up taking them with me because I don't like leaving. I don't like trash on the crag, so I'll take it with me and then I'll forget which was which was which, and I'll just end up using it. And so far, none of, none of them have broken. And uh, uh, so I, 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 but then I generally lose slings. So there's any any of ad ab selling off slings anyway, or you know they just get kind of get lost or get trashed or get cut up or. Or whatever. So I, I never, I don't remember ever like actually throwing any slings away. They just kind of just disintegrate into the into the mountains, really. So, uh, but I just like I think with all your gear, like I remember climbing once and we were doing a route. When we got to the top, I, I threaded this. I made like a lanyard. Who oh, yeah, lanyard? See, use the word lanyard there. Those lanyard people are really excited. I got. I made like a lanyard out of this out of the one twenty centimeter sling. Then I abseiled like all the way down this route, and then when I got down to the ground, I realised I actually stood in the sling with a crampon at one point, did like an aid move, and it actually sliced like through the sling, so it was like you know like it was fifty percent cut through. So I'd been like hanging on this sling all the way down, so if it just broken, you know, I would have probably fallen to my death. So, uh, you know, like inspecting all your gear is always a good idea. You want to inspect your carabiners for a little. Uh, nicks in the gates which are going to destroy your rope and uh, just all that you know just like just go through all your gear every now and again uh, you know and and just kind of look after it like give 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 all your slings a wash if they've got salt on them and stuff just so they don't go stiff and horrible um, but I, I suspect if someone's asking the question how how long to keep a piece of gear then that kind of person doesn't really need to worry because if you're thinking about it then you're going to replace it probably when it's still got like 75% of its life still in it. It's more the people who are still using like like a rigid friend from like 1979 that still has the same webbing, webbing like uh, like quick draw thing attached to it. So, you know, those those things do like, you know, the, the cam itself might not break, but the, the webbing is, uh, you know, well past its sell-by sell date. So that was, um, I shall... Uh, it's uh, time to go to bed. My tea has gone a bit cold, and I've been drinking it. I've been talking too much. So, see, that's the kind of sacrifices I make, you know, for for my for my audience. So, I shall um, I shall post this on for Tuesday. You'll know already because you'll be listening to it. 
And if you're not listening to it, then uh, don't worry about it. And uh, and I'll put some links in the bottom for this curry recipe and uh, and Mark and uh, starting strength as well and and his book. Uh, I'll put I'll probably put like a sneaky uh, Amazon Amazon link in there. So if you like if you get his, if you buy his book, buy it through this Amazon link. Then I'll just be getting like millions and millions of pennies. Uh, well, not millions, like probably like ten p. Um, and uh, yeah, dastardly. I know it's Amazon, but you know we have to do these things. So anyway, so thank you for listening, and I shall talk to you on Thursday or Friday. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.